0: I want to share with you guys something that's on, I'll hold all these things up, so don't worry, Uh, something that's been on my heart the last few weeks that I feel like the Lord has been just reminding me how foundational this is, and so as we ended our Testify series last week, today's not really a testimony, it's more of a a Bible teaching, and, and I'm going to call this, and I recognize this is fairly audacious, okay, but I'm going to call this message today, Secrets of a Successful Faith. And here's why. I don't know anybody who wants to do something that's not successful, right? Most of us don't get up in the morning and think, I want to start a business, and I hope it fails. <laughs> that's just not how we're, we're wired. We want to see fruit from our actions. We want to see something good come from it. And I believe in our faith, it's the same thing. We want to see the word of God actually work for us in our life. We want to see it actually transform us. We want to see it do what it's supposed to do. But there's a couple of things that we have to understand about our faith for that to happen. I don't know about you guys. For those that don't know me, we were in youth ministry for a long time, 10 plus years. And so we've been around a lot of the moments where you've got a group of really zealous, passionate people, and then they hit around 18, 19, and all of a sudden the passion fades and by 25, most of them are not even really going to church anymore. And you look at that and you think, oh man, that's really sad. But if we peer into their soul, there's a moment there where their faith stopped being successful, right? And I don't want that for any of you. I don't know about you, but my prayer for myself is, Lord, by the end of my life, I want to be the most passionate about you. When I'm about to meet you face to face, I want that to be the most zealous that I've ever been. Why? Because I'm committed to growing with the Lord. But that's an intentional thing, right? It doesn't just happen. We have to partner with him. And so there's a couple of things for us to be successful in our faith. And I'm gonna talk about one of them today. I may talk about one next week. I'm not totally sure what the Lord wants to do yet. But here's what I wanna say as a little bit of background before we get into this. And it's this, we are created in the image of God, right? Spoiler alert. None of you guys were, you know, you should not be shocked by that. In Genesis, when God created mankind, he created us in his image and in his likeness. And we know that God exists as God the Father, Jesus his Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they all function together as God. And in the same way that there are three parts to them, there are three parts to us. We are a spirit being. That part of you that is eternal, that gets saved, that lives on after you die when you have salvation in Jesus, that part of you is your spirit It was deposited into Adam when God breathed into him. Okay, so we are a spirit being created by God. Okay, when you get born again, your spirit is what's born again, right? And then we are this human body that God fashioned out of dirt. He made it from the ground and he housed it and that part of you is temporal, it decays. We know as we get older, it decays. Your eyesight goes, the wrinkles form, those kinds of things. That's because our body is not eternal our spirit is. And then God created this sort of thing that holds the two together called your soul. And so your soul is like the glue that holds your eternal spirit to your temporal body. And all three of those are what make you, you, right? So our soul is the part of us that houses our emotions. It houses our will. It houses our um, desires, that kind of stuff. And your spirit is designed by God to follow after Jesus. That's how you were created by God. So when your spirit gets born again, that's why you now want to follow Jesus. But something interesting happened in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned. And what happened was it said their eyes were opened. But that doesn't make very much sense if you think about it, that they were already actually seeing before that happened. So which eyes were opened when they sinned? It was the eyes of the soul. So now all of a sudden, the eyes of your spirit, which were already open and they understand to follow God, now you have this conflict within yourself where the eyes of your soul want to gravitate towards the flesh or the body, right? We see this in James where where he talks about how people are double-minded. They're unstable because they don't know which to pick. That's one example of what it's like when your spirit is following after God and your soul wants to satisfy the desires of your body and there's a war there. Romans tells us, and Jesus answers this by being the word of God, and Romans tells us that the word of God is living and active. It's able to divide joint and marrow. That dividing line is razor thin. If you look into it from a medical perspective, it's very hard to divide divide joint and marrow. And then it goes on to say, and it also divides the soul and the spirit. Now, why would you need to have the soul and the spirit be divided? Because when your soul is going after the things of the flesh and your spirit is going after the things of God, there's a war there. And so we need that to be divided in a sense where we have to say our spirit needs to come to the forefront to lead and guide us. Why? Because your spirit has been given to you by God to follow after him in righteousness. Now, I understand this sounds kind of crazy. I remember learning this for the first time about six or seven years ago and thinking, what? This makes no sense. This is crazy. In the Bible, it talks about spirit and soul as if it's the same thing. How, what does this mean that we have two, of that, there's, that they're different, right? And so I just wanna to say to you, if you're hearing this and you're thinking, ah, don't worry, hang with me, okay? And if you have questions about it, of course, I'll be up here afterwards to ask you. I can point you to resources and whatnot if it's something that intrigues you. But I think it's important for us to take note of the fact that our spirit and our soul are different, and here's why, okay? The soul is the soil of your heart, all right? It is the garden, so to speak, of your heart. And it's, I think it's amazing that God, that Jesus in the New Testament, he shares all of these parables of what it's like when to, to garden the ground and what it's like with the kingdom of heaven. There's a, a parallel connection to what the soil is doing in the earth to what's happening in your internal self. Does that make sense? So again, your spirit is designed to lead your soul and body into the things of God. That's how you are wired. That's how God created you to be. When the soul was awakened with sin, now the soul wants to lead you to things that gratify your flesh, which are not always eternal, right? So I don't want ham- 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 to hamper on that or whatever word I'm looking for for a long time. Harv, thank you, because that's not the whole point of today, but I want you guys to begin to see how this works so that we can dig into the next part. All right, if you've got your Bible, we're not going to look at the full text, but I want to talk to you about a parable you guys are really familiar with, and it's the parable of the sower. And um, I'm going to use the Luke 8.4 translation of that. Let me pull it up for you real quick. And if you're looking for it, go ahead and grab it. And it's Luke 8.4, and basically Jesus is telling the parable of the sower. Anybody heard this before? Yes, you should be really familiar, right? And they say on a day Jesus told, one day, Jesus told a story in the form of a parallel to, oh my goodness, sorry guys, slow down, regroup. One day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. And he says it like this, a farmer went out to plant his seed and he scattered it across the field. Now, let me tell you something. I have some seed up here for you. I wanna show you, this is seed, okay? I wanna show you how small this seed is. And this is just grass seed. But I don't even know if you can see from where you are how small that really is, okay? Now, we might look at this in our day and age, and we might say, well, you know, what's a couple that fall away? That's not a big deal, right? We got this whole jar, one or two is not a big deal. But to the Lord, every single one of these seeds holds the same potential, Every single seed in this jar is equally valuable to the farmer because they understand inside of this one seed is the potential for a crop that will continue to yield, right? Now, I'm not a farmer. I don't garden. Grant and I joke we both were born with two black thumbs. We can't keep anything alive that's not a human. It's just kind of how it is, okay? So I'm going to do my best to tell this parable in a way that I think Jesus would tell it as a great gardener, not how I would tell it. But here's how he says... He says the farmer goes out to sow seed, and he takes this tiny seed, and he sows it. You can't even see that. It's so small, right? And he sows it on his field. Now, every bit of this seed has the exact same potential, but where it falls into the soil determines the outcome of the fruit of it. So why is it important to understand how we connect to soil, what's happening in our soul? It's important because the seed, the Word of God, never changes. It is Fully God, right? Uh, what is it? John 1 tells us that Jesus is the word of God. In other words, inside of the word of God is the fullness of Jesus, and it will land in the soil of your heart, and how you tend your soil is going to determine how successful your faith is going to be. Ouch. I don't know about you, but I think it'd be easier to say, I got a dud seed. That's why it didn't work. Right? To blame it on something. But that's not what Jesus is telling us. In the parable, he says there are three ways, three types of soil this seed is gonna hit on. The first one is what? Before it even really gets to the ground, the enemy comes and snatches it away. That would be people who aren't believers. That's one way you could interpret that. And then he says the seed is going to fall fall on soil that's rocky and has weeds. I thought about pulling some of my weeds in my flower bed to bring to show you, but, you know, you can just drive by my house later and see them because they're out in full glory with our dead tree. It's so amazing, this parable that I'm telling you today. But anyways... That seed, that full of God potential, falls on the ground with weeds and rocks and it springs up a little bit because inside of it is the fullness of God, but it can't stand because the soil cannot hold that life. And then there's a third category that Jesus tells us where that seed, it falls on good soil and it begins to sprout and it builds a harvest. Don't you want that to be the soil of your heart? And so again, it's not the seed it's not the word of God, it's not what's in the Bible, it's the condition of your heart that's gonna determine how successful your faith is. And I'm, I'm going at this kind of from an intense angle because I want you guys to understand how important it is for you to tend to your garden. Your soul holds soil. Most of you guys know, last year Grant and I built a house and, you know, I've always wanted like a yard of the month kind of yard. It's so embarrassingly far off, you know, it's just ridiculous. But in my head, I'm like, that would be cool if I could learn that. That would be a good goal of like, if I could learn gardening so good that I could get yard of the month. Let's just be honest. It's not going to happen. Some dreams just need to die. But anyway, so when we got the flower beds, we designed them and everything like the way they were going to be shaped. And so we, they were filled with dirt, right? Because we bought this land and it had dirt. And it has this really interesting looking, I don't know if you can see it's a little moist, but you guys are familiar what dirt here looks like. It's gross, right? I grew up in Missouri. We don't have red dirt. This is a unique to Oklahoma thing where the dirt is red. And so this is the kind of ground that we were given with the house. Grant and I went to Markham's Nursery. He spent an hour on his own. We spent another hour together asking people, why do our plants die, okay? And for example, we had this magnolia tree. It was a prophetic thing to me. It was a beautiful tree in the backyard of our last house. Within a year, it died. It was very sad, but very true to who we are. And so I looked at this man and I said, why did my tree die? And he looked at me and he said, well, did you put pecan shells down? And then I looked at him and I thought, but you the Lord, I didn't say, what kind of sorcery is that? Pecan shells in the ground? And I'm like, well, I didn't know we were supposed to do pecan shells. And he begins to tell me how you pack the first layer of soil around a magnolia tree with pecan shells. So, you know, if you have one, go for this. Okay. And when the water falls down and the rain, it soaks through the shells and it it nutrients the soil in a way that pecan shells add that magnolia trees don't have and the trees thrive. I was like, cool, cool. That's so great. So, why didn't my person who installed that tree tell me, hey, it's $2 for a bag of pecan shells. You could have saved this tree. As that story goes, by the grace of God, after the tree died, one of those microburst tornadoes came through. And I kid you not, this is the weird world we live in. It cut the tree at the grass line and and like blew it over. We didn't even have to take it out. I was like, well, Lord, thank you. You've got my back. But we've been given this red soil, we've been given this gross dirt. And so one of the things that we learned from the nursery person is that this soil is not conducive to sustaining life in most flower beds. Now you guys are all nodding like you knew this. People, share the love, okay? Let me in on your secrets, I didn't know this. And so what they told us was, if you wanna have a healthy flower bed, what you have to do is you have to go get, you have to pay money for the good soil. And then you have to take the good soil and sprinkle it all over the bad soil, but that's not where it stops. Then you have to pay more money to rent this machine with these giant teeth and run it over there and rip it all up. And it hurt. And Grant had blisters, and I was sweating, and it was not fun. I didn't want to spend my money on that. I already bought the land, right? It should have come with ground that could have held life. But no, it didn't. And here's what I want to tell you. Our sinful nature is like that sometimes. We don't get to pick what type of land we were given. We don't get to pick the type of home we were born into, the type of sin that we want to gravitate to. Sometimes that just is what it is. But we do get to pick what we do with that flower bed. We do get to pick, we get to tell our soul, like David did in Psalms, you don't get to be downcast. I'm going to be led by my spirit. In other words, he says, why are you downcast, oh, my soul? Put your hope in God. Why? Because he recognizes his soil is starting to turn to something that can't bring life. And he doesn't want that. So he lets his spirit lead him and do the hard work. I don't know about you, but sometimes I think, well, salvation is free, so it shouldn't be too costly to become like Jesus, right? But the bottom line is that salvation is free, but following Jesus costs you everything, there is no one in the Bible or sense that has had a successful faith that hasn't cost tremendous amount of pain, of heartache, of disappointment, of rejection, where they have had to stand up and say, you know what, it's not gonna be pleasant to put these big teeth on the soil of my ground, but if I wanna have a successful faith, I have to dig out this junk and put the good stuff in so that when my seed falls, it falls in the right soil. And when it falls in the right soil, It will bear fruit. Why? Because every single seed has the same potential. Jesus doesn't waste one seed, but we get to determine how reproducible it'll be. It's good, right? It's hard. I recognize that. All right, I want you guys, um, if you can put up the Galatians 6, I want to share with you this, (coughs) excuse me. I want to share with you this verse, and I recognize this is sort of a heavy morning, but I think it's good. You know, sometimes when we're dealing with what's really going on in our heart, it's a little bit like a surgical procedure. It's like you really don't want to do it, but you know you have to, you know, and the whole time you walk up to the door, it just feels bad. I don't know if you've ever had an outpatient surgery like that or something where you're just like, man, I don't want to do this, but it's for my good, right? And so, and that's a little bit what it's like when we're dealing with our soul. So here we go, Galatians 6 through 7 through 10. This is from the New Living Translation. I normally don't um, preach that to you, but I really liked the way it talked about this. And it says this Don't be misled, you cannot mock the justice of God, you will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the spirit will harvest everlasting life from the spirit. So I love this part. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. If we don't give up. What is he saying here? He's talking about something that I think is really important for us. Let me see if I can take this mountain and make it into a little pea. What do we do with sin in the new covenant? Right? In the old covenant, our sin was paid with blood, animal sacrifice, and then, of course, Jesus became the final sacrifice, the final blood payment for your sin. But since that point forward, we actually still have sin in the world even though the punishment has been taken. I believe that God created a law that is, in effect, an unseen law, just like the law of gravity, right? The law of gravity exists in this place. We're all standing here because of gravity. Thank you, Jesus, right? God will not change the law of gravity because that would be the end of the world he designed. Even though he could, he won't because that's how he designed the structure to work. In the same way that the law of gravity is this true, he created the law of sowing and reaping. It is an unseen force that exists, and it so exists that other religions will actually acknowledge that it's a law as well. You see karma. Eastern religions have reincarnation. What is all of that? It's God's law of reaping what you sow, taking shape as other people are trying to understand it devoid of the wisdom of Jesus, right? So this is so true, even God can't change it. Now you might say, hold on, what does that mean? Can't God do everything? He can, but he won't. Why? Because it is a system of justice he has created in the world where there is still sin here, even though the payment of sin has been dealt with. Does this make sense? Okay, and so here's what it's like. When we make bad choices, we will reap bad choices. See, there's this thought in Christian life, especially in hyper-grace movement Christianity, where there's like sin no longer affects anything. And so we can do whatever the heck we want, because God's already paid for it, and who well, Who cares? But in the Bible, that's not what it's saying, right? I love how Paul says it where he says, does grace abound so that sin can abound? By all means, no. What does that mean? It means that the grace of God is so thick and palpable, not so that you can go on doing whatever you want to do, but to give you a ladder up out of your hole right? To give you permission to change, to give you an avenue to come into sanctification. So here's what it's like. We get born again, our spirit is saved, but then our soul holds the memories of all of our sinful patterns. So our soul has to be cultivated, it has to be transformed, it has to be washed in God's presence, it has to be healed, sometimes it needs to be delivered, and then we become more like Jesus, right? Right? But our soul sometimes holds the memories of our old patterns of flesh. And so God, understanding all of that, created this law of reaping what you sow so that there would be a form of justice on the earth before the final judgment day comes where he really justifies all the terrible things that have happened. Are you guys following me with this? This is an enormous concept I'm trying to sum up really briefly. So let's look at it, okay? You will always harvest what you plant. This is so important because in our day and age, and I don't know about you, But I know a lot of people who will say all day long, oh man, man, brother, man, sister, I am planting, I'm planting the seeds, I'm doing the good stuff, right? And they're taking these seeds and they're saying it with their mouth. But what they're really putting in the ground is destruction. They're putting these tiny black balls of glitter. (laughs) Just kidding. But you know what I'm saying? I could take this and I could call it this, but it's not going to change it. I could say all day long, I honor people, and I want to reap honor, but behind your back, I talk terrible about you, and I can say I'm sowing seed, but in reality, I'm just dropping black balls. And then I'm sitting there going, well, why don't I reap honor in my life? Hello? I'm not sowing honor. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? We can talk about this with finances, okay? And I know, put your seatbelts on because I'm not trying to offend you, but I am trying to show you some things, all right? We can say all day long, God, I want you to bless me. I wanna be somebody that can hold your blessing. And then the Lord says, okay, so give. Give when you feel like your bank account's dry and we'll be like, "Uh, Lord, I want you to bless me. I'm sowing my seed, God, I'm right? But we're not actually doing it. And then we turn around and we wonder why our bank account isn't changing, why our debt keeps racking up, because we're not actually sowing the right thing. God will not be mocked. We will reap what we actually sow. Not because he's mad at you, not because he's frustrated with you, but because it's a form of his justice in the earth and because he knows if you will value what's in the seed, you will reap a harvest, let me tell it to you one other way. It's like this. In the same way that it works in the negative, it works in the positive, right? I don't know how many people, and, I, and this was my story for a while too, lots of my friends and I, when we would spend time with Jesus and we would say, God, I'm going to give you the whole month or the whole week or the whole year, whatever was the time frame, and every day I'm going to meet with you and I'm going to get up at whatever time and there are mornings when the alarm clock goes off and you're like, anything but that, right? And so I want you to look at it like this. I want you to look at it and say, when you're saying, Lord, I want to see you do something in my life, I'm choosing, what I'm choosing is a seed I'm putting in the ground. What am I going to sow? Because what I'm going to sow in actuality is what I'm going to reap. Not what I think I'm sowing, but what I'm actually doing. So if you want to understand the Bible, but you're not reading the Bible, guess what? If you want to understand prayer, but no prayers are coming out of your mouth, Guess what? And on the flip side, if you want to understand the Bible and you're going, "Lord, this is gibberish to me, but I'm going to read it anyway. God, I'm going to get on this U version plan and I might this might be my fourth one this week I'm trying, right? But I'm trying it again. And you keep doing that and you're sowing and you're sowing and you will reap a harvest. There will come a day where something clicks and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes on you and it illuminates the word of God and you say, "I never saw this before. Oh my gosh." right? And you start reaping righteousness in your life. Maybe it's in your parenting. I can tell you, you know, everybody, every parent will tell you, the kids are going to actually do what you do, not what you say, right? And so this is how I gauge what I'm really sowing. I watch particularly one of my children, you all know who it is, that's just like me, but I watch, and I watch the kind of things she says, and I watch the tone that she's saying, in it. because I want to correct her? No, because I want to correct myself because I can tell when I've been too snippy because she starts getting snippy. Now it feels a little unfair. Let me just be honest, right? I want her to go, hey, look at your mother from her motives. My heart is so pure. The reality is y'all drive me nuts sometimes. There's so many of you. I don't know what to do, (laughs) right? And that's what I want to be sewing. But in reality, what am I sewing? When I'm driving down the car and they're all fighting with each other and I'm trying to decide, am I gonna say something and how am I gonna say it, right? And what I wanna do is sometimes it comes out like this, right, I'm like, I I love you, I love you and it just like vomits out all of the destruction that I don't wanna do and then what do I do in that moment? See, every action that we say determines what we're gonna reap. It's just the truth, God cannot be mocked and so here's my challenge to you guys. What are you really putting in your soil? And how are you really doing cultivating the soil of your soul? I have to be completely honest with you. It took me a little bit of time to overcome how much money we had to spend to cultivate our flower bed, to barely make it. It's not even really thriving, guys. It's just barely thriving. Noah knows. He's there every week. He can tell you how terrible we are at this, right? And it costs money. And sometimes we can look at it and say, that's so unfair, but here's the reality of having a successful faith it costs it costs your time it costs your finances you might have to buy a resource you might have to buy you have to, might have to pay for counseling you might have to get online and do a school i don't know but there's comes a time where we have to say you know what i have to apply everything behind here to make sure that i'm cultivating my soil in the right place so in the same way that we're cultivating i want to share one more thing we we have some tools of how we fix when we've been sowing in destruction, right? I personally believe, in, and I may, you know, I'm in the process of understanding this from the Lord, so, you know, I invite you to seek this out on your own, okay? But from my perspective, I look at this and I say, Lord, even your grace can't change the law of sowing and reaping. Even forgiveness can't change the fact that when I've only sowed destruction, I have nothing to reap, Right? But in his grace, we can lessen the intensity of what we reap. I I do believe that. But that doesn't mean that it's going to take all of the consequences out. Right? We never learn unless we have consequences. That's just a fact of life. And so how does the Lord do that? He gives us opportunities. And so I want to share a couple of things. If you're sitting here listening to this and feeling like, oh no, all I've done is put these black balls in the ground and I was hoping to have an avocado tree so I could have in this guacamole, you know, uh, let's, let's talk about how you can adjust that, okay? And so there's a couple of things I want to mention. And one of them, one of the ways that you can adjust this pattern in your life is through repentance. There's a difference between repentance and apologizing. Did you know that? Apologizing is simply saying, I acknowledge that I hurt you, but I'll decide when and if I decide to change. But biblical repentance, when you dig into what that word really means, it is a turning point. It's saying, I apologize and also I will not do this again. And if I do this again, I will make a huge sweeping change, right? Everybody that's married, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? You can hear an apology all day long, but what you're looking for is repentance, What you're looking for is somebody to say, oh, that, okay, I won't do that anymore, right? Everybody's tapping their spouse, you can do that and not feel bad, okay? But that's, that's one of the ways we can do it is through repentance, through acknowledging. And this is what it looks like. Let's say that it's talking about people, or I don't know, you can pick whatever one is burning on your heart. We can talk about even like the lust of the flesh and sexual perversion and all that kind of stuff. All of these things, when we make these choices for sin, we reap them in our life in one form or fashion or another. Okay, so what does that look like? When we come to the Lord, we say, Lord, I understand that I've been trying to reap something I haven't been sowing. And so I repent, and I will commit myself to make a different choice now. That's repentance, right? And so we invite his grace into our life. Another thing we can do is through humility. Another one is forgiveness. What is forgiveness? You know, yesterday I was talking to the Lord about someone I really didn't want to forgive, and he said it to me this way. He said, Rachel, you don't, forgiveness does not mandate change. I said, man, Lord, that's tough, Right? I want to forgive because I want to forgive in expectation that you're going to change when I forgive you. And the Lord's like, no, I don't forgive you expecting you to change. You get to plant whatever you want to plant. Right? And so we forgive and we do it for our own heart because it helps pull some of those weeds out. One, another one that we, can, we won't go into, but an option for you would be responding in the opposite spirit. When somebody's coming to you in anger, turning it around on them and, and giving them love choosing mercy even though they deserve something else. Another one would be um, believing God, like trusting in his word, not giving up. Another one would be deliverance. Sometimes you got to pull the weeds out of the ground. And this is something I felt like the Lord wanted me to share with you guys. And there's a reality here where sometimes we recognize we've got some junk in our life that needs to be unrooted, you know. And so we go out there, I'm terrible at pulling weeds. And sometimes I'm pulling them and I'm pulling them so hard and only the top breaks off and you know what's going to happen, right? It's going to grow back. It's the same way with the soil of our soul. We can have a behavior modification. We can change what we're doing, but if we don't pull the root out, it's going to come back, and here's what I want you to understand. If you have had an issue in your life that keeps coming back, don't feel like you're powerless to change. Understand you didn't get the whole root out of the ground, Right, it's not a shame thing; it's an awareness thing. It's when we look at it and we say, "Okay, I pulled it out, and this whole big root came out." And sometimes we have deliverance like that, and it's like, "Whoa, oh, sh- there can't surely be anything left inside of me that's not from you know that's bad, right?" We pull out this whole root, but then a few months goes by, and this one tiny piece of that root was left. You have freedom and the feeling of freedom for months at a time, and then bam, something happens again. Why? Sometimes that's because a little piece of that root is still in there. So we have a choice to make in that moment. We can shame ourselves and say, man, I suck. I tried so hard, Lord. I thought all this was happening, but it just happened again. Or we can look at it and say, wow, God, thank you for revealing there was a little bit left in that root. Let me dig it all out this time. And if it comes up again, Lord, I'm going back to the root, right? That's what it looks like to sow in righteousness and trust him cultivating your soil. I don't know about you, but my favorite time to pull weeds in my flower bed is after a big rain. Why? Because the ground is so soft, they just pull right out. You know, that's how it's like in the presence of God. The rain is like his presence. And sometimes the big issues that we're dealing with in our life when they're so hard to uproot, it's because you haven't been in the presence of God enough to where the ground is so tight and it's holding on to that issue so much because you don't want to let it go because at least you know it. Or maybe it's one of those weeds that also has a flower attached, and so you can justify it this way or that way, right? But the Lord wants you to sit, wants you to know if you've got a big weed or even a little weed, the more rain you have coming in your life, the more rain of his presence, the easier it is to rip that stuff out. And so if you're sitting here and you're thinking and something's highlighted in your mind, which I know there's some of you that that's going on, there's a light bulb going on of saying, oh my gosh, I never looked at it that way. And that's the Lord. That's him saying, here's your chance to look at it, right? And here's what you need to do. Do not give up. Continue to make the right choice. Continue to bring yourself into the reign of his presence because the softer your soil of your soul gets, the easier it is to take out the junk. You guys following me? (sighs) All right. Here's how I want us to respond. Sarah, would you play for a little bit for me? I don't want there to be any words to the songs or anything like that because I want you guys to be able to understand and process with the Lord. But here's the reality here that I feel like God, he's got two questions for you. And question number one is as simple as this. What is the state of the soil of your soul. So I want you to ask him, God, how is my soil? What's really in there? Sometimes you go digging around, you find out there's a root system really big, right, that you didn't even know was there. This is a really interesting prophetic moment as the rain is falling, right? But believe that, take that, understand that. So the first question you're going to ask is, what is the state of your soil? Ask the Lord to give you a picture Okay. It may not be pretty, but that's okay. Because don't you want to cultivate it to be the right thing? And we can't cultivate it until we really know what's going on inside of it, right? So question number one, God, show me what's the state of the soil of my heart. And then the second thing you're going to ask the Lord is give me one action step. What's one thing I can do to begin to cultivate that soil into more of you, okay? So I'm gonna move the table out of the way. You guys can spread out, lean against the wall, come up here, get where you can be with God because I really believe if you will submit your soul to him, he will transform it in partnership with you, right? The Holy Spirit is eager and so excited to partner with you to be your gardening buddy to show you what kind of tools you need to point you to those resources. And he will do that with so much grace. So you can, in just a minute, you can spread out around the room. I wanna pray. Lord, we thank you so much that we are a people who will not give up. We thank you, Lord, that we are a people who will choose to deal with the soil of our hearts so that when your word and your seed lands in it, that it will produce a harvest of successful faith in us. And so I just invite your transforming power in this room right now. And we bind up every voice that is not your voice, Holy Spirit. And we let you speak to us, that you would show us what's the condition of our soul. And as we partner with you in this moment right now, Lord, would you speak clear and directly to us in Jesus' name. spread around the room, go ahead and do that. you're willing one of the most powerful things you can do is to invite Jesus in to your heart not just through salvation but all the different chambers of our heart Jesus I invite you into my marriage into my relationship with my kids into my sin right we have all these different parts of us And he stands at the door and he knocks, but he won't force himself in because he loves you that much. And he knows that when you choose to partner with him, it's so much more powerful and it grows you and it shapes you and it leads you and it helps you. And so if you feel comfortable, I'm going to pray and I want you to agree with me that you would let Jesus into your soil of your soul. That you would give him permission to use whatever tools necessary to help you have a successful garden. To grow you into the next place that he wants to take you into. And so I'm going to pray and if you would say yes to that, then I want you to just agree with me. You can repeat after me if you want to, you don't have to. This is more about just you and your heart surrendering lordship It's letting God do his thing in you. And so Jesus, we just acknowledge that you are the best cultivator. That there is no one who knows how to tend soil better than you and Holy Spirit. And so we invite you right now. I invite you into my soil in my soul. I invite you to teach me how to uproot and how to replant I give you the tools to unearth the big weeds that are here and most importantly God I ask for the rain to come and saturate me fresh today I ask for your rain to keep at it until the hard parts of my soil begin to soften. And then I put the tool in your hand to dig out whatever doesn't belong there. And finally, Lord, I commit right now to begin to understand that my actions are sowing. And so I choose today to begin to sow in righteousness, to begin to sow in holiness, to begin to sow in purity, to begin to sow in honor, in love, in mercy. I choose today to partner with you in the way that you do things to cultivate the garden of my heart. And I thank you. I thank you. We thank you, Jesus. so we're going to let Sarah continue to play. If you're still meeting with the Lord, don't leave this moment. Sometimes it takes a minute, but I know some of you have already finished meeting with God and so you're welcome to head on to the lobby and we want to thank you for being here today we want to thank you for opening your heart to the Lord we know you have so many choices of what to do with your time on Sunday morning and we consider it an honor to seek God together we consider it an honor that you chose to be here to encounter the Lord and so we bless you we bless your week and as it rains in the natural let that be a consistent reminder of tapping into the reign of God as you sow and you sow and you don't give up We've blessed everybody.